Welcome, Susan L. Andrasek. What does the L stand for? <laughs> the L is for Lorraine. Lorraine. And the reason why is because um, I'm from Texas. Yeah. And there was another Susan Andrasek on Facebook. And she lived about 40 miles from Austin. No. Yes. Uh, so I didn't, but it was her married name. It wasn't her name, family name like mine. Mm. But I didn't want people to get confused, and I actually had people sending her friend, re- friend requests. Okay. So I put the Susan L in there so that it was knows me, and that's Susan Lorraine uh-huh. Andrashek. So, so you're from Austin, Texas, or? No. Uh, I was born in Texas, uh-huh. so I'm a native Texan. Mm. But as a child, we moved to Idaho. My mother's from Idaho. My father's from Texas. Mm-hmm. So we moved to Idaho for a while when I was learning to speak. So I sound more like people from Idaho than That's where they make potatoes, Texas. right? Yeah, they grow them there. <laughs> the, the sweet potatoes, I think. No, no, no. It's white just roasted potatoes. Uh-huh. And then we moved back to Texas, a small town in Texas, which is close to Austin. After I finished uh, college in East Texas, I moved to Dallas and then moved to San Francisco and then Prague and then Austin and Prague. Okay. You've been back and forth. Well, only twice. Okay. Now, but I mean, within the U.S. as well. Yes. But so you're uh, an expert on Chinese medicine, um, or I don't know, Chinese medicine expert practitioner. Sounds so serious. Um, I'm a practitioner. I've been practicing more over 15 years, so okay. I have a little experience. Yeah. I'm an experienced practitioner. And you're also like a Facebook influencer because, uh, <laughs> but I'll talk about that at the end because I I, know, I know, knew you without knowing you because you are very active in kind of communities here in Prague and yes. advising people and helping people. Yes. yes. Um, I went to a internations group and I was introducing myself and this woman looked at me and said, oh, you're, you're famous. Her. And I went, excuse me? <laughs> Yeah, but you are, you know. I've known who you are for years. I mean, I've seen your name so many times on Facebook. So, yeah, I I don't know a lot about Chinese medicine. I mean, I, I know about it, and I've tried some of it myself some years ago. Um, so if you could tell me, like, what do you, as a Chinese medicine practitioner, what do you do, actually? Well, the first thing we do is diagnosis. Mm. You know, take I, I have a really long intake form I do. And by the time I read that, I pretty much know what's happening with the person before I see them. But when they come in, I clarify details because mm. I see, oh, there's a problem with digestion. I maybe need more idea, more details or they have headaches. I need to know more specifics about the headaches, the time of day, where they are, et cetera. Um, and so when they come in, I have their form and then I ask some questions and then I do diagnostics to look at the tongue and the pulse. And that mm. confirms what I pretty much already know. But like, so that that's the process. But like, what do people come with? Everything. And I tell people Chinese medicine treats just about everything. Mm. We don't do surgery. Mm. But, um, you know, most people don't know. Most people know it's very good for treating pain. Mm. So that's the first thought people have. Um, but it also treats all kinds of things. Like it's extremely uh, good for treating common cold, flu. I treat COVID patients. I treat it myself. Um, it's extremely good for women's gynecological problems. Um, and women come all the time with various problems, but then I look and I see, oh, there's stuff happening with their menstrual cycle. And everything's related, so I can treat both of those things at the same time. Mm-hmm. So have a lot of people, um, have some people with asthma. Usually most of my patients are uh, lots of women with gynecological problems, lots of people with um, acid reflux, stress, anxiety, depression. I've treated a number of people recently with burnout. Mm-hmm. Like I had one month, I had three women who came in who were on, because of burnout, were on medical leave of absence. Mm-hmm. 
So I see that a lot as well. But a lot of it's stress. So it's a very wide range of issues. Yes. And But the process that you described, that you have an intake document that lists probably a lot of things that person describes, and then there's an interview, that is kind of the same. The, the, let's say the entry point into your practicing or healing is the same. Yes. Okay. And so, yeah, okay, so I want to I wanna know a little bit more. So what I wanted to talk about today in general was, you know, Chinese medicine, and, and there are other healing methods that you do as well that I want to discuss, what it can help people with, how you got into it, kind of what's your personal journey, mm-hmm. and uh, what makes it different from kind of, let's say, the mainstream uh, medicine and, and um, healthcare. Okay. Uh, how is it then different in different cultures? Um, is it demonized by the media and... Uh, and the kind of the establishment of all the most common misconceptions and some examples of how people have helped. So this is kind of what we want to cover today. So, okay. um, so maybe first of all, why is it called traditional Chinese medicine? Is there an untraditional Chinese medicine? <laughs> I've never heard of untraditional Chinese medicine. I just think it's based on the tradition of Chinese medicine has has centuries of history mm. starting in China. And of course, very variations of it went to Japan and to other countries as well. Um, so it basically just came with, the, you know, it was this traditional medicine practiced by what they called barefoot practitioners. You know, they weren't medical doctors. They were people who learned about um, doing acupuncture and doing herbs, you know, from other people. Mm. So it was very, very much, you know, learning from other people and practicing and learning. So it's old. It's very it's centuries and centuries old. It's like four or 5,000 years old. Mm-hmm. So when people talk about, well, you know, it's not Western medicine and you can't prove these blind test and I think, well, Western medicine's been around for a few hundred years. Yeah, not even that. I mean, a lot of it just 70 years. Yeah. And, you know, it's in Chinese medicine, it's been around for thousands, 4,000, 5,000 years. And if it didn't work, it still wouldn't be used and it wouldn't be as, it's just, it's amazing to me. We have formulas we treat like something with common cold that, that formula is like thousands of years old and we still use it. Yeah. I need you to be in the microphone. Can you just pull it up a little bit like this? Yeah. Is that better? Yeah. Sorry, guys. Uh, the influencers going off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> but but so it's it's an age-old thing that kind of the Chinese, I don't know, developed or evolved within their culture, and then they spread it to to other other places. But what what's the kind of the main difference? Is it a, like more of a holistic? I mean, it well, kind of. You gave it away when you told me how people come in. It's a more holistic approach, I guess. We look at the body as a whole. Yeah. We like when you go to Western medicine, you go to the gynecologist, you go to the doctor who treats bones, you go to the urologist. Mm. But we look at all those systems and <clears throat> and see how they're related mm. because they are all related. When you treat one thing, other things get better. Mm. Somebody comes for acid reflux, then you start treating that, and they go, "Oh, I'm not so angry anymore at work. I'm calmer. I'm better with my kids." You know, or my stools are better. I mean, you know, mm. we work on the whole thing. Mm. Are people surprised about that when, like, because I mean, like, for example, I have a, I have like a reoccurring lower back issue that I think comes from that there is some some um, something distorted in my hips somehow, so that one leg is shorter, so I'm walking wrongly. But but it's often. The weird stuff when when I work on it with my chiropractor and is that it actually like yeah but the pain is coming from the shoulder here and then that's affecting your knee down there you know like 
And I remember when he was telling me those things the first time and, and kind of connecting those dots, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. The, the problem must be where the pain is. So what you're saying in, in Chinese medicine is that the, the, the pain is not always where the problem is. That's true. It's just a symptom. Yeah, that's true. But so that it's very different than from like, um, you know, like uh, I take a headache pill when I have a headache, but I'm healing maybe, I don't know, dehydration or something like that. Yeah. Um, when people have headaches, there's times when um, there's many sources and causes for headaches. They're not all nerve pain. So people say it doesn't matter what painkiller I take. It mm. doesn't get rid of my headache. Mm. And that's because it, it may not be a headache that's caused by pain. It's caused by dampness in the channels. And we have to clear the dampness out of the channels. And What's that? What, what's damp dampness. Oh, I love dampness. <clears throat> people go, what is dampness? Because I have lots of people with dampness. If you think about dampness, like if you have a runny nose, mm. that's too much fluid. Um, if you have, if somebody has edema in their legs, that's dampness because it's too much fluid. Um, if people are overweight, I tell them, you're not overweight. You just have too much dampness. And so we have to work to for the body to overcome the dampness and go from there. But wait, so so I'm cur I've been overweight almost all my life. Sometimes more, sometimes less overweight, but always overweight, like since I was nine. Mm -hmm. It's not my fault. It's the water. Or it's the damp. <laughs> Well, like I said, there's so many forms of dampness. There's others I won't even mention here. But mm. anyway, the headaches can be from dampness. They can be from what people eat. Mm. Like people have highly fatty diets and they have headaches over their temples. And painkillers may or may not get rid of it. And they don't solve the underlying problem. But how would how would Chinese medicine solve that? Well, If we just take this as an example. Well, like I said, when somebody comes in with a headache, and lots of people have headaches and migraines, I treat a lot of that. Um, I have to know where the headache is. For instance, if it's across the forehead, then I know there's a lung, large intestine and stomach imbalance. Maybe they're not digesting food properly. Maybe they're eating the wrong foods. If it's over their temples, then I know, okay, this is gallbladder and liver stuff, so we need to work on tonifying them, clearing them, calming them down. It's the back of the head. It can be the bladder. Top of the head can be the liver. So it just depends where the headache is and the type of pain. Is it sharp and stabbing pain? Is it dull? Is it pulsating? Does it move from one eye to the other eye? Does it just stand one side of the head? Mm -hmm. And those all give me clues as to which organ system is out of balance. But just the, so you're basically kind of saying that every organ or every functionality in the body can be represented. If it's malfunctioning, let's say, or not functioning optimally, then it, it's represented by by pain or nerves in different places in, in the head, in this case. Right. And But then it's but when you say this, it sounds kind of weird that, that then we have one pill, a headache pill, that cures all of this because it's actually not curing it's it. It's not curing it. It's, it's just, just numbing it, it's, the pain. It's a Band-Aid yeah. to stop the pain. And I tell people who have pain sometimes, I say, if you need to take a painkiller, do it because it will take time for this to work. Mm. It's not the magic bullet. You come in, I treat you one time, and your headaches for 30 years are gone. But that's what we want. We want everybody. Fast. Everybody wants the magic pill. I wish I had the magic pill because I would have a line around my office, yeah, you yeah. know, with thousands of people waiting to see me. <laughs> yeah, but um, how is it like? Um, you kind of told me a lot now that made me, th yeah, gave me a lot of ideas. But I, I'm 
like what I feel with this when when we talk Chinese medicine, it was the same with myself actually. Like when I I had a I had a running injury. I ran the half marathon in Prague, and uh, and that was kind of prior to me knowing that I had this hip issue. Um, so when I actually then finally pushed myself to run that distance, then it kind of caused a knee pain and and that caused a back pain and then. Uh, I ended up going to a Chinese medicine guy here, actually here in, in close to where we are now in, in the studio. And uh, I remember exactly what he did or said, but he, I mean, he did some, he pulled my legs and, and got me into a better balance. It helped, you know, for sure. But it was the end point for me. I wasn't really, I wouldn't have started there. It was like when everything else had failed. I had been to like my traditional doctor, my GP here, and, and she had sent me to some different treatments and then I had been to some uh, I had taken a lot of medicine I was thinking about injections and like is it this is this why why do people come to you when everything else has failed I think it's still not recognized as medicine too many people still think that well western medicine is the only answer mm. and they will go through all those channels until they say you know it's been three years five years ten years and I'm not better and so, and sometimes, occasionally, medical doctors will say, "Well, maybe you should go try Chinese medicine." That occasionally happens. That's always a wonderful thing. Yeah. But I just think that people don't know about Chinese medicine what it actually does. Too many people think, "Oh, it's this weird." It, they don't understand the principles or the concepts, and so for them, it's just this very strange thing. Mm. But like, is it people do? And it usually, do people come? They said, "Yeah, it's it usually is the last resort." Yeah, well, it's just kind of interesting because it's not invasive. There is no chemical usage in Chinese medicine, right? I mean, no, no <laughs> chemically produced. No, the you have to be careful in China though, because some of the herbal formulas have pharmaceuticals in them. Mm -hmm. The the herbs that are in the EU, they have certain lists of things they can't have in them. And um, the far, the place where I work, the pharmacy has researched the herbs for a long time, and we know that there's no there's no um, pharmaceuticals in the in the in the medications. But you have to be really careful about that because there are some that do. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, no. Generally speaking, we're do, using acupuncture to balance the system, and then the Chinese herbs help continue that process of balancing. And then I also work with Asian dietary therapy, which is extremely important. Mm -hmm. If people are eating the wrong things, I, you know, it, it's food is the basis of health, mm. and they really need to be eating the right things. And we look at diet a little bit differently than Western medicine does. Yeah, it is interesting actually. Like um, with food, like if you take those, um, and maybe it's more visible in the in the Asian food than than in the Western food. Everything is there for a reason. All the ingredients. If you look at a traditional Chinese dish or a right. traditional Thai dish, so they have this because that helps that, and then they have this that breaks down this part of the food, and then they have yes. you like it's a actually the it's a functional food. I mean, it just happens to taste really good as well, you know, or yeah. some of it. Yeah. So I guess that is is that when you say dietary things, is that what you're looking into? You know. Yes. Yes. Well. The biggest thing is, um, like, there's five elements. There's fire, earth, water, wood, and metal. And when I see where the imbalance is, then I structure more foods in that 
way. For example, the earth element is the stomach and the spleen, and the flavor is sweet. The color is yellow or orange. Mm. Lots of people have sweet cravings. And I tell them, well, when you have that sweet craving, that doesn't mean go eat a whole carton of Haagen-Dazs. You need to eat foods that have a sweet flavor to them, and that will nourish that imbalance. And when they start doing that, the sweet cravings decrease. Uh Uh-huh. So, you, you, yeah, you don't go and buy ice cream. It's bad news for me. <laughs> well, some of us do that, of course, but oh. generally speaking. Okay. And how, but how has it, like, um, you know, um, how has it changed? Like, how long have you been doing this? Well, it was very interesting. Um, in the 1970s, Richard Nixon opened up the channels to China, and that's when the information about Chinese medicine acupuncture came out. I was a teenager. Well, wow, that's that's so recent. Yeah. Um, I was just fascinated. I just, there was a feeling in me that this is, this works. This you, is important. Why? Cannot tell you. It's just an intuitive feeling. And I just felt very drawn to it. So then in the 1980s, I had a number of health issues. And this was in Texas. And there was an acupuncturist who was Japanese. And the only way you could find him was through word of mouth. Because acupuncture was neither legal nor illegal in Texas. So it was this gray zone. Gray zone yeah. So I knew somebody who knew him, and I got his number. And so I went to see him. He was unbelievable. I mean, he went, he did my pulses, and he said, you have this, 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 and this. And then he reached back, and he touched my shoulder right here. He goes, and you have pain right here. But your pulses just stopped there. What, what do you mean? He checked the pulses on the wrist. Aha, okay. But the pulses on the wrist are not a Western pulse you're listening to the organ systems inside the body okay okay so but just by doing that he knew all these things about me it just i couldn't believe it so he treated me and he said uh, you need to come every two weeks so i went to see him for about every two weeks i think for three or four months and then one day he said okay you're fine you'll come back for tune-up uh-huh. <laughs> but he also told me you know i had horrible migraines he said no sweet no spicy no greasy And I was on a bland diet for a year, but it really made a difference with my migraines. Mm-hmm. And have you kept on that path? You know what I mean? Are you still, or or was there, let's say, could he heal this and then you could go back to fat? To, to <laughs> eating garbage? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I mean, I still have to watch my diet. There's certain things I just, I really have to limit them. Um, but, you know, he was just like this, amazing magician kind of person. I mean, he really was incredible. So that was 1996, I believe. No, 1986. And Mm. so then I moved to San Francisco and I wanted to see an acupuncturist again. I went to one woman, I felt no difference. And somebody told me her name of her acupuncturist and I heard his name and I said, I got to go see him. Mm. He was like a magician again. He did very different style acupuncture. It really hurt when he did. He just did a few needles and ground them in. But it was like magic, you know. And when I left, it was like I was so much better. And he did herbs as well. Mm. So that was my first experience with Chinese herbs was in San Francisco. And uh, But b- back then, you were uh, like a journalist or something, right? When I came to – well, I was a journalist in the United States. I have mm. a degree in my bachelor's is in journalism and art. Um, and so I worked um, – couple years for a newspaper i did a lot of freelancing things i did my own little company i did some pr stuff so yeah that on any specific topic or just general i got kind of got into real estate covering real estate when i was in dallas and i ended up covering that a lot for many years 
how do you cover real estate if you're not selling it or buying it? <laughs> well, you, you interview the pe the developers. You go look at the properties. I also got I had a real estate license, so I knew a lot about the, uh -huh. um, I, you know how real estate sales and things went. So I covered it while I was there. Um, then when I moved to um, Prague, well, I was always fascinated by acupuncture, and I wish I'd studied it when I was in San Francisco. I could have, but I was terrified of sticking needles in people. Mm. I was also terrified of seeing blood. Mm -hmm. I've passed out many times when I've seen blood. So I didn't want to do needles because that terrified me. When I moved to Sam when I moved to Prague, I met a guy who was a Zen Shiatsu practitioner. What's that? Zen Shiatsu is the best way to say it, is Japanese body work. Mm -hmm. You do stretches, you press on the meridians, you do rotations. And so I thought, oh, I could do this and not stick needles in people. Mm-hmm. And so I started my shiatsu training in Prague. Mm -hmm. uh, but there was no other way I could go to school here. So when I moved back to Texas, for personal reasons, for a short time, I thought, I found a school that had a Zen shiatsu um, program. It mm -hmm. was part of the, the TCM school. So I went to there. That was my intention, only do shiatsu. Mm -hmm. It was a year and a half program. Okay. And and so that that's a less invasive, but kind of... Just it's the same. It's very similar because you're still doing some diagnosis. You're working on the meridians are either out of balance. It's very pleasurable. People relax a lot, and it does do so much of the same things. For a long time, I just did shiatsu before I finished my training. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of interesting that you know you're from Texas, and Texas is cowboys and steaks and and uh, it is. oil, <laughs> and uh, it's not exactly the place in the U.S. where I would think. Yeah, this one's going to go into uh, Chinese medicine. Is there some family background here or is there some shamanism in the family or something? Or No, no. I just think it's uh, an intuitive thing. For mm. myself, I'm very intuitive in things that I'm attracted to that resonate with me. I do them. Mm. So, like I said, I did the shiatsu thing and I kept saying, I'm going to finish in a year and a half and that's it. Mm. But you had to do the needling program. There's things you still had to do at the school. And then this little voice kept saying, you're supposed to do the whole program. Uh -huh. And I said, no, I do not want to be in my 50s when I finish school. I do not want to go to school. I'm not doing it. You're supposed to do the whole Chinese medicine program. No, I'm not going to do that. Go away. And then when I was in classes, there were several times I had deja vus where I was sitting there and suddenly understood everything the teacher was saying. And I thought, I I've heard this before. Mm -hmm. And this little voice, you're supposed to do. Okay, I'll do the whole Chinese medicine program. So it was a calling. It was. It was. Mm. I've always but, been interested in healing um, and helping people to balance themselves since I was very young. So, mm. And, like, so were you drawn to it originally because of your own kind of you ha you were one of those people in a way what you're saying is that you find this guy and he helps you with the migraines and he helps you with your pain so you were kind of one of those people you probably tried everything else so so it's a personal experience that kind of draws oh. you to it right well i had uh these severe migraines and my doctor had given me a painkiller mm. um and the side effects were so f so severe a friend of mine called me he was going to come break down the door because he thought i was suicidal and a friend of mine was in medical school, and we looked up the drug and said, these are the side effects. And I had all of the severe side effects. Mm -hmm. And I just said, I would rather have the pain 
than this. Then the side effects were so bad. And that was the only doctor I'd seen for it. I didn't go. I wasn't one of those people who went to doctor to doctor. I mean, I didn't have medical insurance. So, you know. And I said, I just felt this thing about Chinese medicine being something. Mm. So, yeah. let's see. You said, you mentioned it, that you came came here. I mean, obviously you're here now, but uh, you came and then you left. Oh, but why Prague? Because oh, I'm fourth generation American and my last name is Ondrasek and my father's family is all Czech. Mm-hmm. As a child, my great-grandmother did not speak English. So when I saw her only once a year for a week, I didn't get to speak with her, but I knew she loved me dearly. So she spoke Czech, or my fa- yeah, my father came from a very small farming community in Texas, and it was a Czech community. Everybody spoke Czech. He didn't speak English when he went to first grade. Wow. So and I didn't. He didn't teach me the language, but you know I was. You were around. I it. was so aware of my father's family being Czech. Mm-hmm. My mother's side is English and Scottish and German, but there's really nothing strong there. But on the Czech side, I was just so so um, aware of it. And in the 1990s, or no, before that, I started collecting things about Czechoslovakia. And I had a file, and I kept putting them in my file. And I had a file like this thick. You're like a stalker. <laughs> well, I just had this connection to this country that yeah. I couldn't, That you know, I, I say it's my father's family. So when, um, and when uh, I heard about the Czech, you know, the communism ended i was so happy Mm. and when i heard the country split into two i was crying tears i was so upset that the country had split and uh i got injured i developed a a repetitive stress injury and i couldn't use my wrist for a year really so i thought what can i do elsewise and i started hearing about esl programs there were two English as a second language mm. uh, schools in San Francisco. So I went to one and they talked and they had a special program in Prague that summer. So I thought, okay, I can use my English and my journalism skills and I can come to Prague. And my goal was to come for one year mm. and then to move to France so I could become fluent in French. But I came to Prague and within four or five days I went, this is my home. I belong here. And what, what made you feel that? How can one explain when you feel you're in the right place? No, it's hard. But For me, it's like I've lived places like when I moved to Dallas, I thought this is my home. I'm never going to leave. And after eight years, I had this feeling you're leaving. And I did. I moved to San Francisco. I was in San Francisco for nine years and never felt like I was at home. Mm-hmm. I moved to Prague, even though I didn't speak the language or whatever. I, went, I belong here. This is my home. What year is this? Uh, I moved here in 1995. Okay. Well, that's a different Prague than today. Oh, my gosh. It was so different. Mm. So different from what it is today. Like a wild west. No t- no telephones, you know. the, And then when mobile phones came available, people went crazy because all these people in Pontalox didn't have telephones. Mm. You know, we had uh, a system where somebody had a voicemail system and we all had this voicemail there and you would go and call and leave your friend a message on their voicemail. Hey, I'm going to be at the Globe at four o'clock. Can you meet me there? And you come back later and check. And if they got your message, they would call back and say, yeah, I'll be there at four o'clock. Uh, or then that's how you communicate with people. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy how like, uh, you know, like in, in Iceland, like, so yeah, I mean, we had a landline at home, but but we we were not allowed to call more than two calls a day. That was the that was the rule. So if you had used those two calls and you needed to go and, and meet someone or wanted to check to get get someone, to, you just had to walk to their home. 
Yeah. And then you walked to their place and knocked on the door, you know, is, is Chris home, you know? And you had no idea if he would be home or not. Yeah. So, they, you know, you were invested in everything yeah. that you did, yeah. you know? And and I miss I miss that a little bit today, that everything is it's too easy, you know? Everything is at the fingertips somehow. Everything is just one click away. Yeah. Well, the thing and it is, never gives you a reward. Well, the thing that was uh, I enjoyed about that time was, like, the globe was a place to hang out. Mm. I would go there and have lunch and dinner and snacks, I mean, all day. And the table would change as the course of the day. People came and went, came and went. And that's how I met most of the people that I knew was hanging out at the Globe. Mm. Um, you know, and people helped each other. And you posted notes, you know, on the bulletin boards. And yeah. that's how you found out who was selling what and if there was an apartment available. And, you know, there were no malls. Yeah, You had to find, there were three department stores downtown. And that was, on the weekend, you wanted to buy something, you had to go to those three places. And this place had peanut butter. And this place had broccoli. Oh, broccoli was an exotic vegetable. Nobody hardly knew what it was. Yeah. So it was, you know, like this place has, you know, this. It was a very, very different experience. And it's still, like, even when I came here, like, in 2009, I mean, like, even even back, yeah, 2009, even back then, it was... Um, it was a little bit like this, yeah. Here you can buy your meat. Here you can buy proper tea. Here you can buy, and it was like you know, word of mouth. You know, yeah, there is this butcher yes. there. You know, you can go <laughs> and get. The, and and I think it's not because it was impossible to find this, but the market just didn't know this. You know, no one had, no one, and no one was thinking about when you were coming. You know, like no one is thinking about yeah, we need to import for the export market. You know. Nowadays, that can be actually just a viable business in itself to right. cater just for the expats, you know, and tourists, obviously. Anyway, so uh, a little bit about more, if we go back to, so what what, I, what I've always found interesting and fascinating about like something like Chinese medicine is that we, we, we tend to call it alternative healing. Yes. Where actually, as you said in the beginning, this is the thousands of years of... E- evolved medicine that have kept humans alive through misery and everything. But we call it alternative now, and the mainstream medicine we call medicine. Well, in the States, we refer to it as biomedicine. The Chinese. No, the Western medicine, we call it biomedicine um, or Western medicine. But we also are attending Chinese medicine. Fortunately, now is becoming more and more to be called complementary medicine. Mm-hmm course i think you're complimenting western medicine but um i think it does more than that it's still it's still its own form of medicine like in the united states um it was in the i guess 15 20 years ago that the um military the u.s military had so many um soldiers coming back from afghanistan can you lift the microphone a little bit it just switch it like this is that better No, yeah. Okay. That's good, yeah. So sorry. The military had so many uh soldiers from Afghanistan returning who were injured and the suicide rate was very high. Mm. They said we have to do something. Mm-hmm. And so they they um so so what they did was they um hired some practitioners. One of the people I personally know, um, he was an acupuncturist who had military experience. And they hired him to run the alternative medicine part. So he was there to supervise the acupuncture, but they also hired um, somebody to somebody to do Reiki and some. There's one other therapy, and they combine that with traditional, you know, therapies like, um, you know, counseling and rehabilitation. 
And they had such a great success with that program of the soldiers getting better that they then opened it up to another base, another military base in Texas. And that was successful. And so now there's military bases all over the United States that have uh, traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, and um, Reiki as well in their programs. But that's interesting. I mean, and it's weird to say it, but actually the military has been very often behind some very much innovative stuff. You know, a lot of the stuff that we use, like, um, is either first developed for military purposes and then it becomes a mainstream part of a mainstream product or whatever. Right. And it's so interesting that they, that I would never have thought that they would take Chinese medicine. Oh, it's fabulous. I actually got hired for, well, I didn't get hired. I interviewed for a job at uh, one of the military bases, and I was very excited about it. Mm-hmm. And it was that feeling of, I got the job. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, the HRLA said, well, well, we'll let you know. And then I went, oh, maybe not. Mm-hmm. And then when I talked to the, the guy who had started the first program, there's another guy, he worked also in that program, and they both said, if you're not a, if you're not a former military person, you won't get in, you won't be hired. Because mm-hmm. there were a lot of people, we had a number of people in my school who had been in the military who were studying Chinese medicine, and you know they were going to get hired right away. Mm-hmm. So, But if we talk about, like, this Chinese medicine in different cultures, so, I mean, um, you being American, like, what I, what I find so interesting about the American, or from the outside, the American culture is that it's, I mean, it's one of, I think, two countries in the world where you can advertise medicine on TV and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's almost feels sometimes like the, 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 the nation has been sold off into big businesses somehow. Well, it's a shame that, like, you watch commercials about drugs, mm. and that's so that when you go to see your doctor, you'll say, well, what mm. about XYZ drug? Mm. I've seen it advertised on TV, so it's already planning the idea that you need this drug. Mm. So, yeah, it's very commonplace. But has this, like, have you seen this change somehow? Is it worse now than it was, like, in the 80s or 90s? You know, is it is, is pharmaceuticals more visible? Like, let's say, the yeah, the, the traditional, well, no, not even tra- the current medical <laughs> establishment, is that more visible now than it was? Or Well, I think it is. Uh, more and more people have heard about Chinese medicine. They know about somebody who's seeing a practitioner, so it is much more common. Mm. And, of course, in California, it's very pretty, very much very standard. There's lots of practitioners there. And Colorado has uh, several schools, and um, I think it's um, Colorado, no, it's a Colorado Springs. I can't remember the name. Anyway, it's a famous city there. They have three Chinese medicine schools mm-hmm. there. So, But how does the establishment accept this and the media? Well, you know, there's always the people who are believers and those who are going to question and say it's it doesn't work. Um, but, you know, I have patients who come to see me and they go back and tell their doctor, and their doctor goes, oh, yeah, right, Chinese medicine doesn't work. But they've been seeing me for six months and they're better. Mm. Or some of my patients, they don't even tell they don't even tell their doctors what they're doing because they don't want to hear, hear from their doctor how negative they'll be about it. Mm. Like one of my patients came in on Tuesday. He had... On Monday, he went to the doctor's high blood pressure. His blood pressure was just so high. The doctor gave him medication. He came to see me Tuesday. I did acupuncture, gave him herbs. Friday, he went to see the the doctor for a checkup. Perfect blood pressure. Mm. And the doctor was like, oh, the medication uh, I gave you worked so well. Mm. And then my patient didn't tell him I didn't take the medication. I just saw her and I took her herbs and mm. it went back to normal in four days. 
but 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 is it like actively being like uh, okay i can tell us in iceland for example like uh if anyone would come to Iceland, like, um, and it's often been foreigners that that kind of pave the way, or they come with something, they bring some new method of healing or something. Then, the first thing that happened is that the the media will write a front page article about that this is some sort of um, a cheat um, witchcraft that doesn't work and is illegal and is dangerous and blah blah blah. And then. Um, so and I've seen that, for example, with you know Chinese massage and stuff like that. I I used to go for that. It was the, the most brutal thing that I've ever gone through, but it worked. Yeah. Was it Twina? I don't know. It was a guy that walked on my back and then he put chains on my me and. Are you serious? Me. Yeah, it was really brutal stuff. Well, I do know that in China, part of Chinese medicine is where they actually do what looks like chiropractic work. Mm. In the United States, we're not taught to do that. No. Um, but they say that's where chiropractic actually came from. That's what I've been told was from Chinese medicine doing those adjustments. Mm. And I've seen some videos, and it's kind of startling. Yeah, and, and it's 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 interesting. And when and then this guy, he, you know, I I saw people coming in there that couldn't walk, and they would walk out. Wow! In in one fucking session, you know, it was crazy stuff. Of course, they put him on the front page of the newspaper that you know this was dangerous and this was not accepted by the National Association of Physiotherapists and blah blah blah. So you have all these entities and 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 you know whether it's a government entities or or some associations and then the media and it always seems to be in some sort of a symbiosis to keep anything out that kind of can, I don't know, um, make people have different choices. And that's what I'm asking. Like kind of, do you see in the U.S., you know, is it demonized? Yeah, in the U.S. there's definitely the problem of Western medicine um, trying to downplay the value of Chinese medicine. Mm. Um, It's it's very, very common. You you see it all the time. So practitioners in the States, and every state varies in their laws, but they have associations so that they can... um, continue to support Chinese medicine against the things that Western medicine says. So at, at least there, like in the U.S., the Chinese medicine has a voice somehow. Yes, I mean, yes, yes. And, um, you know, we have all kinds, in the United States, we have all kinds of, um, you know, very good training programs. I went to the first uh, Chinese medicine school that um, had its program become an official master's degree. My master's degree is recognized by every university program system in the United States. Okay. It was the first school that did that. In order to get approved for, to offer a master's degree that was recognized, we, they had to go before the Texas Education Board. And we had all kinds, I mean, like classrooms had to be a certain size. You had to teach these programs. I mean, it was really rigorous. And my school spent a lot of money to get that, to obtain that certification. Mm-hmm. So now there's a number of other schools that also offer certified master's degree programs. Before that was like a master's degree, but it wasn't recognized as an educational degree, mm-hmm. whereas mine is. And so there is um, a lot of schools like that in you know in the United States now. We have a nationalist NCCOM, which has a um, you have to take four tests. There's a fifth one, but I didn't take it. Four tests and. It's pretty scary because it was like $500 per test, so I had to pay $2,000. And if I failed, I had to go back and pay another 500 This is after mm-hmm. years and years of school. So that um, the NCCOM, um, when you pass those exams, certifies that you can, you can practice. And it's used in almost every state. Um, California has a different, has their own 
edu- you know, their own educational board and their own, ex- their own examinations that you have to take to pass. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not so much that it's illegal or anything like that. It's more, obviously, it doesn't have the same financial power as, as let's say, mainstream medicine or modern-day right. modern medicine or Western medicine, let's call it like... I'm just sad to call it Western medicine, though, because when I came here to Prague... I, I So I lived in Iceland. We were popping pills all the time, you know, like you would just take a pill, take a pill, take a pill. And my, like my parents now, they could run like a pharmacy out of their kitchen, you know, and uh, it's co- horrible, uh, you know. And uh, yeah, just just an example, my mom got cancer three years ago and she she got zero nutrition advice. There was just nothing about eat healthier, eat better, or cut down carbs, or do anything. No, just pills and chemotherapy and whatever and and it's just it's bizarre you know and uh, and then um i don't know why i started talking about yeah and then i moved from there to denmark and in denmark it's kind of the same you know you can it's a lot of pills and a lot of it's very kind of chemically driven thing and for me that was just normal you know and then i came here and i started hearing people saying talking about like yeah well if you if you get a cold do this if you have this do that if you and i was thinking why why is this you know why are why are people why don't they just go and buy a pill you know but i think part of the reason why and maybe that has changed here maybe and when i tell people this some people describe a different reality but my I, my theory was that people didn't have so much money here so th- there wasn't so much available and there was still these kind of tradition uh, how do you say that in um, legends of you know this is how you heal? Yes, one of the fascinating things to me about Czech society is that there is a very strong herbal tradition here. Yeah, that people all the time say, "Oh, my grandma told me to take this, make exactly. this tea." So they're very, very. There is this, and so when I talk about Chinese herbs and teas, they're really okay Open about to, it. Yeah. Yes, it's like nothing strange or unusual. And one of the other things that fascinates me is Czechs say. A number of things which actually resonate with Chinese medicine. For example, they say in the winter you should keep your kidneys covered. Well, mm. your kidneys contain your genetic essence, and if they get too cold, you could get sick. So keeping your kidneys covered and warm in the winter makes great sense. Mm. They also say, oh, they don't want air conditioning because if the wind blows on them, they'll get sick. Mm. Well, in Chinese medicine, there is an element called wind, and it does cause common cold, flu, bacteria, allergies, etc., so it does make sense. When I was growing up, my grandfather said we wanted to get him a fan because they lived in the heat of Texas and they had no air conditioning. He goes, oh, no, I don't want a fan. I'll get sick. And I went, like, what mm. the heck? That's crazy, Grandpa. But then after I learned Chinese medicine, I went, oh, the fan is causing wind, and that's that's a vector for us. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. And I, I, I really like, like this here, that there are these kind of, I don't know, something that ha- that lives in the culture somehow. Uh, and and goes from you know grandma to daughter to son to father yeah. to grandfather and and like and it's really really interesting and 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 so I guess like here you know like you you feel that people are receptive to this but how is this recognized here is Chinese medicine recognized here as a as a proper thing or are you some sort of a witch well, yes so yes. <laughs> Legally, uh, only Western medicine doctors can practice acupuncture in this country. Mm. Um, and most, uh, if a if a 
medical doctor does study Chinese medicine, they usually just go take a couple of weekend courses and learn a few places to stick needles. They don't really understand the whole philosophy of how it works. Um, of course, everybody here gets around that by saying they do massage and they, they, they do um, pressure on acupuncture points. So it has to be very carefully worded. So there, there is a gray zone somehow yeah, a couple, where it, yeah, a couple, where it survives. A, yeah, a couple years ago, um, the Czech government was going to um, up, to legitimize, they were going to recognize acupuncture and Chinese medicine as a profession. Mm. And everybody was just, just so excited because it's been 20, 30 years of trying to get something. Um, but that would also mean that the, the schools had to improve their educational levels. Um there are two really famous acupuncturists here, and one is um, at our clinic, and I've known her since 2000. And they went to talk to them, and he just said, yeah, 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 fine, we're folk medicine. That's fine, that's fine, that's fine. And she's arguing, no, we want this to be recognized as, as medicine. Mm. Um, and in the end, um, the new government came in, and they said, no, you're folk medicine. It might work, it might not. You're folk medicine. Why would someone be against recognizing this? What's the harm? Because this is not intrusive. Well, that's what I think. However... Um, I think that this other person was didn't want to go to the trouble because he has the other. There's two main Chinese medicine schools here. They would have to go through all kinds of approvals and changes in the schools to be recognized as educational institutions, mm-hmm. and he didn't want to do that. That's my oh, yeah. my opinion. I don't know because mm-hmm. there there are other people been fighting. You know, the first Chinese medicine school opened here in um, the year 1990. Mm. So Chinese medicine has been around a long time. Mm. It was it was here before that even, but that was when the first Chinese medicine school opened here. Mm. So uh, for you know it was a big deal you know in Texas for us to get those get my school certified to do to be offered my master's degree. So it was a lot of work, and I presume it'd be a lot of work here, especially with Czech government. So that has it's not, doesn't necessarily have to do with any kind of resistance towards the Chinese medicine. It's more about if the industry of Chinese medicine wants to be certified in the right way to be able to fit into a system. Right. Somehow, and that, yeah, right? you have to get the, you have to get the educational levels and yeah. um, training programs. And like, you know, in the U S we have the NCCOM, which is, a, you know, your testing mm. It's an official testing facility that's separate. And it says, yes, you've passed all these tests and therefore you can practice, but they don't have that here. So there's mm. not, the, not the training levels, not the same. It's not as legit somehow. Yeah. And, but, but it's, I think with, with, with these kind of things, it's often better to try to then smooth them in because I, I think that, you know, I, as a, as a patient or a potential patient, I should have the choice. I should be able to choose and I should be able to choose from, choosing less invasive methods um, and more kind of natural methods than chemical methods and surgeries and stuff like that. That should be my, if I want if I want that to be my endpoint, that should be my endpoint, not my starting point. And because what, what happens is that my demand does not die even if the government doesn't approve the methods like Chinese medicine, let's say. I'm still going to want it. So what do I do? I will go underground. I will go right. somewhere where right. it's available. It's kind of like with abortion, you know, like by, by eliminating abortion doesn't mean that every kid gets born. It's yeah. just going to go down to the basement, you know. Well, it's like in Germany, um, 
in order to practice acupuncture, you have to become a Heil practicer, mm. and um, you have to go through all the training programs, and then you have to go through written and um, oral exams. Mm. And so it's very, very, very rigorous. Mm. Um, so they've studied Western medicine, they studied Chinese medicine, they may have studied other things as well. So, but when they finish, you've got somebody who's very well trained. Mm. You know, like in, in the school I went to, one third of the program was Western medicine. So we had pathology, physiology, you know, and at the time I was really angry. I said, I don't want to study Western medicine. I just want to study Chinese medicine. Mm. But my patients walk in with a Western medicine, Western medicine diagnosis. Oh, yeah. I have diabetes. I have you know, hypertension, you know, they come in and, and also we study drugs. So often when I look at medication, I go, okay, I know why they're taking this medication mm. because I did study Western medicine. So it was a real important part of my studies. And how is the media treating this? Like if you look at, um, as a journalist, I mean, with your background, if you look at, do, do you feel that like in the U.S. or here, you know, I guess you follow stuff in the U.S. and then obviously you follow stuff here. I mean. Well, you see both sides of the coin. Mm. You know, there's the, there's the media that supports it and says, this is great. These are examples of what happens. And there's some that just say, oh, no, this can't possibly work. Um, and in the Czech Republic, it's very funny. You get Sometimes there's been some really negative um, stories. And I was asking um, this practitioner I know about, it, and she said, you know, it's fine if they say nasty stuff about it because <laughs> as a result of that negative article, mm. all these people kept calling her for appointments. Mm. Because they obviously didn't believe the negative publicity about that, but it was oh, this is a practitioner. I can find somebody to try this and treat. Yeah, yeah, and it creates awareness that there is an alternative out yeah. there. The shocking thing for me was I have a friend who became a Catholic priest here, and so one time when I moved here, I sent him an email and I said, "Look, if you ever have any health issues and you need to be treated, I would treat you for free." And he wrote to me and told me that as a Catholic, he could not uh, receive. Chinese medicine treatment. Why? He didn't explain why, and I didn't understand it. I had somebody else, I told him that, and he, he asked his Catholic mother, he said, my mother's so Catholic, and she said, it's fine. You, she said, there's no problem with it. But somewhere within the Catholic Church, there's something mm -hmm. somewhere about Chinese medicine being bad. And, you know, there's the spiritual aspects of Chinese medicine were pretty much removed during communism. Yeah. There's lots of points that they're spirit points. They really treat the spirit. And Chinese, when the communists came in, they kind of like made this very like, this is how it is. We're just going to treat the body, not mm -hmm. much the spirit. But if you treat the body, you treat the spirit. It all works together. But there's something, uh, some there, and then somebody came to see me and they said, we can't have you do any Reiki on us. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. But when I touch people, Reiki happens. I, I can't stop it. So. Yeah, it's an energy that is there anyway. But I felt like, I don't know about you, but I felt like, for example, I saw it, uh, and you're saying that somebody sees a negative article and that's actually going to generate positive attention because people are going to come in and, and want. And I, I felt like COVID was an interesting thing because we kind of ditched every every old trick in the book, you know, like, and I, and I was telling you before we started recording, it, they, like, they were warning people in Iceland about taking vitamin D, that, that, like, okay, so we live in Iceland, the sun never shines, we've needed vitamin D forever, it helps with everything, it's a critical catalyst in, in any kind of chemical reaction in the body, blah, blah, blah. And they're telling us now in 2020, 
one or whatever the year was that we should not take it. And I guess it was because they were afraid that people would think that that's then enough. You know, then if I take vitamin D, I'm not going to use those chemical hand sanitizers. I'm not going to use those masks. I'm not going to keep that two meter distance that was one meter 80 in the US, but two meters in Europe because six feet was two meters. Weird. And then uh, I'm, 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 you know, I, I think that's probably the motive why they, you know, they didn't want people to kind of start doing their own preventions or remedies. But that when when I saw this and when I saw a lot of stuff that I thought, okay, this this makes me doubtful. And and so when I would see an article about Chinese medicine, even if something even if it was like a person that had a bad experience, I would think, well, okay, there's probably something here worth exploring more. So but how about that Chinese medicine and COVID? I mean, you said you treated yourself. Yes, and um, my patients, when they come to see me, the last thing I tell them, sometimes I tell them, if you get common cold, flu, or COVID, do not take your herbs you're taking now because these could actually tonify the pathogen. Mm. You need different herbs which expel the pathogen and treat your immune system. Mm -hmm. So they're always surprised to learn that. They didn't have any idea that I could treat common cold or flu or COVID. I don't treat COVID patients in my office, but I say, hey, do you have someone who can come and pick up some herbs for you? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are really great Chinese herbs that treat COVID. Mm-hmm. I treated mine with grilled sandwiches. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> it was one of the best weeks of my life, actually. And we we came up with this sourdough bread with uh, raw ham and some cheese. And raw ham? Yeah. Like, like, like. Like, no, not like dried ham, obviously. Okay. I mean, but okay, okay. not like a pig that we yeah. okay. cut it off. But, and, and I, it was, I missed this time, you know, it was great. And, uh, but yeah, of course, I was a little bit sick also. But, um, but yeah, I, I just, uh, it, it was really interesting, I think, uh, how, how powerful, and you could see how powerful kind of the, this, and the symbiosis between the medical establishment and, or pharmaceutical establishment, let's say, and the governments, and they were all kind of in harmony somehow, uh, creating the fear, and then coming with a solution, and uh, and I, it really made me think about how where we are right now. So we we are eating bad foods that are made of bad ingredients. And that makes us sick. And then we take medicine to heal that. And then we need all the medicine to deal with the side effects of the medicine that we took to heal from the bad food that we ate. Uh, And it's a very vicious cycle that nobody wins except the business owners or, you know, the the, the big pharma. I guess, like, Chinese medicine is not, that's not a big, big business, right? Like Chinese medicine? Yeah. Like, it's not like, not like Pfizer or something, you know. You you don't have this within Chinese medicine. Well, there are big companies that sell herbs, mm. um, and so I guess it's it's definitely big business for them. And Chinese herbs are not cheap in this country; they're more expensive here than in the United States. Mm. Um, but I think that people in the Chinese medicine um, who are treating people are generally trying to get people well. They're not giving them herbs just because oh, I, I'm going to make some money on selling you some herbs. Mm. I think the people in Chinese medicine are generally in more interested in their patients getting better. 
Uh, but I do have people come in and I say, you know what medication you're taking? I go, oh my God, they're taking 20 things. This is for my acid reflux and this is for this and this is for this. And then I have to take this medication to protect my stomach from the five other medications I'm taking. It's nuts. Or one of my patients, I'm really shocked. He's taking a medication. I said, what's this for? And, he, and I looked it up and I said, oh, do you have acid reflux? Because this is a standard treatment for acid reflux. He said, no, but my doctor told me I do. And therefore mm. told me has to take this the rest of his life. Oh. Um, you didn't have any symptoms of acid reflux. No, but your doctor told you had to take this. Yep. Mm. And I can see... The medication he's taking, what it does is it decreases an acid in the stomach. Therefore, he, his digestion is not as good as it should be. Mm. And this guy was a professional athlete before he went into business. So I, I don't understand why I, I keep, when he comes, I go, well, have you asked your doctor about this again? Because what I'm his digestion is not strong, and I want to get him off of that to give him the herbs he needs. Mm. But I can't, you know, I don't tell people you need to get off of this. So just ask your doctor about this because it doesn't really make sense. Mm. Um, and sometimes they do ask their doctors and they, they'll they come back and say, yeah, they said I don't need it. Or in the States, I had somebody, oh, he had very loose stools. Mm. And uh, so I treated it as being a certain condition. And then one day I went through his medications with him and asked about all of them. And he said he went to the pharmacy and said, do I need to take all these? And this doctor, the med the pharmacist went through them and said, oh, no, you don't really need this one. As soon as he stopped taking that medication, the loose stools went away. Mm. So I'm treating him based on Chinese medicine and what loose stool tells me, but it was actually the medication mm -hmm. that was causing the problem. But so uh, that's actually interesting. It kind of connects me to like, because it sounds like you are, yeah, maybe because of this, that people, you are the end point of a journey, but where people have tried medicine, they've tried surgeries, they've tried this, they've tried that. Um, so you're co-treating in some way. You know, you mm -hmm. are... Yes, often. Because yeah. uh, I look at what they're taking medicine, you know, medication-wise, and then I consider, well, what is this actually treating? I look at it in terms of Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. So if he's treating acid, you're treating acid reflux, well, that would be caused by this. These two systems are being affected. And so I start to treat that. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's it's like, um, and then I've had some people get off of their medications. I've had people who are on um, antidepressants get off. We've been on for ten years, mm. but I didn't didn't touch their medications. I just started treating them, treating their spirit, treating their physical body, and giving them some herbs to support them. And they started saying, "I'm feeling better. I can't believe how much better I'm feeling." And then they talked to their doctor, said, "Okay, we can." They started reducing the medication, and they mm. they could get off little by little. But that was under doctor's supervision. I said, "You need to talk to your doctor. I can't tell you that." Oh. Uh. But um, so I guess, like, who 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 are kind of the is there? I don't know. Like, is there a standard or stereotype that comes to you or stereotypical problem? Well, I said the biggest thing people think about is pain. Mm. Um, but I have a lot of, and then the other the sec. I say I'd say pain, and the second thing is like, like pain as in like physical physical pain. pain. Yeah. yeah, and the second thing, and people know that very well. And the other thing is digestive issues, and the other thing, the biggest thing I think is uh, stress and anxiety and depression. Those are probably this this like right behind that. And is that growing stress, anxiety, and depression? What do you mean? Is that grow? Do you see more? Do you feel that? I don't know if it's growing. I just I treat it a lot. I treat more it than you deal. treated it five years ago. I don't know if it's any more than it was before, but you know, I have a, a scale for people to say their pain, their stress level, and they don't. Sometimes I don't even report stress, mm. but then I look and they put it's a, a nine. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And I go, is that stress from your job? Is it stress from your home life? You know, often people have difficult relationships. Mm. Um, and so when they tell me that's also another aspect of how I'm going to treat them. Mm-hmm. So if they have a different difficult relationship, you go go home with them with a, shot, a shotgun <laughs> or something. I tell them, have you thought about leaving this man? <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I'm, no, the actually, reason I, I'm asking is I, I, I feel in what I'm doing, because I'm doing, you know, mentoring and coaching with individuals and I'm helping people that are, you know, either at crossroads in their career or they're starting their own business and stuff like that. And I just come across, I mean, and, and through this, I meet a lot of people and I go to events and I, I host events and stuff. And I just feel like people are really, really lost right now. I have a number of patients who um, they're just working too much. That's mm. why they're stressed out. And I will suggest to them, you know, your job is creating these things. Mm. Um, and and they say, yes, they know that, and but I can't. I have to keep working these hours or whatever. And I tell them, but if you get to the point where you break down, then you can't work at all. Mm. Who is? How is that going to serve you? How is it going to serve your family? Mm. You know, it's time to start to make changes. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> and I do recommend, like, people, if they're really in stressful situations, especially family things, I say, are you getting counseling? Mm. So what are some examples, like, you know, um, if, 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 if the obese version of me came to you, uh, you you take me through your kind of intake program, you uh-huh. check my habits, you check my tongue, you talk to me. Uh, what do you do with me then and how long would it take? Well, interestingly enough, one of the most important things is to see where people carry their weight. Mm. Is it upper body? Is it middle body? Is it lower body? Okay. If it's upper body, it's going to relate. Can you move the microphone to Sorry. your... It's just super interesting stuff <laughs> and useful for me. <laughs> That better? Yeah. So if somebody has carries their weight in their upper body, then mm. I know it's related to the um, to the lungs. Yeah. And if somebody carries their weight around the middle, it'll be the stomach and the spleen. And if somebody carries their weight in their hips, then I know it's related to the kidney and bladder. So I need to help establish balance in those areas. And if you if you establish balance in my kidneys, I will lose weight. Often, yes. Now we have to. There's a couple things. People do need to take the herbs. They need to come on a regular basis. And the biggest thing is they need to change their diets. So I look at what diets. Like for instance, if somebody has this spleen thing going on, they're really big at the waist. So I'm going to focus on foods that support the stomach and the spleen. I talked about that a little bit about sweet flavor and the colors yellow and orange. And I'm having to eat more of those foods. I'm also going to see what are they eating. Like they're often eating a lot of dairy products, mm. and this is a big thing. I say, I'm sorry. I said, I see a lot of cheese here, a lot of yogurt. And they go, yeah. And I said, bye-bye. And they go, no. Yeah, but that's I the can't thing. live without dairy products. And I go, I'm French. It's my nature. I'm <laughs> Czech. I'm, yesterday it was, uh, I'm Romanian. You know, they all have so much dairy. Or no, I'm Greek. I can't live without it. And I say, I point out the fallacy of what why we think we need dairy products. Mm. And... Dairy products cause so many health problems. And mm. when I get people to start reducing their dairy and they see the difference in the change and they go, oh, you're right. Mm. So, but what I, what, so I guess like I'm, I'm thinking now like when you're saying this, I mean, um, I think there are no shortcuts in this. Like if, if, I, if I came to you and I want to 
I'm, I'm dealing with something that I want to change, you know, I need to change actually something. I cannot just get a pill and then it, it all goes away and everything is fine. So what's the process like? I mean, like if, if I came for this, uh, if I want to lose my, my um, uh, hip, my childbearing hips, as I call them, <laughs> if I would like to lose them, like w- six months. I mean, like what? what? You know, a big, a big part is uh, patient compliance. Mm-hmm. Um because losing weight is one of the least few things I like to treat mm. because it really falls so much on the patient and talking about changing their food, you know, and some people are not exercising. Like yesterday came, yesterday came, she's very overweight, and she used to have a job where she was walking all over the facility doing things, and after she, she switched to an office job, she's gained all this weight. But she said she does, she goes to the gym. Sometimes she does badminton twice a month. Mm. That is not enough exercise. You know, mm. I talked to her about you know, just do walking home, you know, you know, from your home to your apartment. Can you walk you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes every day? And t- she just takes the metro and walks, you know, two blocks. I said, mm. you've got to start doing more. People have dogs. I say, take your dog for longer walks. So they have to do a lot on their own. Mm. But I have had a lot of people, like one lady, she's so cute. She came in and she says, I've had this same 10 kilos for 20 years. So I looked at her diet and um, she had these you know, big hips. And so we changed her food, told her, okay, you need to eat these foods, more of this, take this out. And the other thing, she was drinking a liter of fresh carrot juice every day. Mm. And I said, how many carrots is that, like 12 carrots? Yeah, yeah, exactly. She said, yeah. I said, would you eat 12 carrots never, a day? Never, No, I said, well, what you're doing, and you're also swallowing it. You're not letting the fluid mix with your saliva. You're just guzzling down. I said, do you know how much sugar you just put into your body? Mm. It's like... That's a lot of candy bars. Really, that's a high amount of sugar. And she was like, I just bought this expensive juicer this weekend. And I have this book from this American guy who says, Mm -hmm. you know, juicing is the way to go. And then Mm -hmm. I explained to her why it wasn't for her. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know, when your family comes over, you can make juice for everybody. But you can't be drinking a liter every day. No, but that's the same with apple juice. I mean, if you drink a full glass of apple juice, it's like five apples or something. You would never eat five apples in one sitting, you know. And that's why I tell people, you know, there are certain circumstances where, you know, juicing is a good idea. Mm. But generally speaking, too many people are putting, like you said, too many apples, too many carrots, and there's, they don't realize they're actually loading up on the sugar. Mm. But the thing is, she lost the weight. Mm. Three, six months later, she was coming in going, look, look. Yeah. Or I had a lady, she came in, she was like this round. I mean, she was really round, and she had hip problems, she had back problems. She went through menopause at 30, I mean, lived a hard life. Mm. And I told her to change her diet, do these things, take her herbs. She came to see me every two weeks. And one day I looked at her, I said, have you lost weight? And she stood up in her pants, which used to be out here with elastic. She had to pull up to here. Uh-huh. But she had lost 13 kilos in six months. Oh, that's great. But she listened to everything I told her. She had to have hip replacement. Chinese medicine can't replace degenerative bone disease. No. She, but I prepared her for surgery. Mm. Her blood pressure went normal. Her blood sugar went normal. She lost 13 kilos. Her doctor was thrilled. Mm. And she went to surgery. That's great. You like helping people. Yes. I and that's how I knew you. I mean, like uh, as I, I said, in the, you're like an influencer here in Prague. I mean, like uh, you're a celebrity because you are very active in like uh, there's a dog owner community on Facebook, for example. I'm the admin for dog yeah. community Prague. It was my idea. Yeah. <laughs> but why? Why do you like this? Why do you? I mean, because I, I I swear it. I mean, I think it's like seven, eight years ago that I started more, that I started noticing your name on 
in various Facebook groups advising people where to go for this, where to do that. And it's not, and it's never leads. It's I've never seen anything that kind of leads to you. It's not like you're making money off this. Oh or no, anything like it's that. all for my free time. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I lived here from 1995 to 2000. Mm. No, 2002 is when I left. I know a lot about Prague that people, other people don't know, and there's a lot of new people here. Mm-hmm. Then I came back in um, ten years ago. And things had changed a lot, but I still knew a whole lot of basic stuff. So mm. when people would ask things, I would I would just start saying, "Well, I know about this or that," and it was just a just it's just who I am. If I see something, I can give somebody a suggestion. I do. But do you don't you get some pushback on it? Like don't people like uh, want to fight you or disagree with you? Because that that <laughs> feels like people often want to be in a disagreement. There, there are there are some people that have been very um, negative. One man just blew up and started going off at me and I just went okay um, I'm not going to respond to that mm. to what he's saying and other people jumped in tell, telling him don't you have an anger management problem and I was like thank you yeah, you could bring that into Chinese medicine anger management yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. anger irritability that's one of my questions yeah how 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 is it with the the you know, if we say the Chinese medicine has been around for thousands of years, it's kind of relatively new to us then. As you mentioned, Nixon kind of opened up the channels into China and that uh-huh. at least brought it into the U.S. Yeah. Uh, if we fast forward now like a thousand years, do you think Chinese medicine will still be yes. practiced? Yeah, I absolutely do. Mm-hmm. I absolutely do because we do so many things that help people get better without using a lot of drugs, mm. you know, Um there's all kinds of conditions for myself I've treated and for other people, and they're just kind of miraculous stories. Mm. And so I was able to, like, help myself and others without doing heavy medications and um, drugs and surgery. Mm. And I guess, I guess like, uh, you know, the the need might even be greater because, I mean, we are constantly going further and further away from our natural way of being, you know, when well, both when it comes to... Uh, you know, how we work, you know, we work more on computer sitting, you know, we don't exercise as much, we don't, yeah, we don't have to walk three kilometers to knock on someone's door to ask if he's home and wants to play, now we just text him or whatever. So I guess the need is going to grow, if anything. I think so. Mm. I think so. But the thing is, if you can get some people to start living their lives better, like eating better and doing more exercise and stuff, they pass those habits on to their children. Mm. You know. But that's bad for business. That's bad for big it's, pharma. It's and bad for big pharma. Mm. I mean, we need Western medicine for emergency situations. Mm. Um, if I break my leg, yeah, yeah. get me get me in there oh. and give me drugs. You know, um, one time I had a severe kidney stone passing. They put me on hard narcotics. I didn't care what they did because the pain was so bad. Mm. So, yes, the thing is about, I love about Chinese medicine, we do a lot of things that are preventative to help change things so you don't end up at that at that point. Oh. Um, Western medicine tends to be like, oh, the problem has happened when it's really, you know, you have to do extreme measures to fix it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's interesting. I remember there was, uh, I was watching this uh, documentary about sugar and uh, it kind of just shows how distorted the system is. So they had this uh, Michelle Obama, she she became like a, let's say, a, a sponsor of or a f- protector of a, of an exercise and and healthy eating 
movement, you know, when, when he was president. And that was to activate children to exercise more and eat more vegetables or less sugary foods. And I mean, in American schools are crazy. I mean, you would have a terrible. McDonald's in a school, you know. I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen that, but the, no. I just remember the meals I saw in yeah, Texas when I was and, a kid, and all the vending machines with all the crap that is being sold. So, so her like the the the, the beginning of the of the of the campaign was to get eat healthier and exercise more and to be more active, play outside, and blah blah blah. And it's nice, you know. And then uh, they bought her. Basically, Coca Cola became the biggest sponsor of this campaign, and they dropped the food part. No. Yeah. So they bought the fucking president's wife. It's I didn't not know, like I didn't know that. That's the most. That's the most high value wife in the country, and they bought the president's wife, Coca Cola. Uh, how fucking nuts is that? Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I have I to mean, look they, this up. I can't changed, believe that they changed the campaign. She stopped talking about food, and she sta- She she was only about the exercise. Oh. I don't remember who who uh, who was the, there. Uh, there was this. I think it's called the Sugar Film or something like that. I mean, it's a proper. It's not some guy just with his phone filming. I mean, it's like it's not like yeah. some conspiracy theorist like me doing something. It's like a real movie, you know. I, I was so it's so fascinating, and and I was listening now to a, a guy, a farmer, beef farmer who went from monoculture to kind of regenerative farming, and uh, and just the. Then he's doing this grass-fed beef, and and it became popular. So there was more demand than supply. So what the the uh, I don't know if it's the USDA or or FDA or someone, but they approved it that you can actually import beef from New Zealand and Australia, and as long as you slice it or package it in the US, it becomes a US product. So to satisfy the market with more grass-fed beef, they started importing grass-fed beef from from other countries. Nothing wrong with the beef, you know. It's and like this farmer is saying, I have no problem with this beef, but what I have a problem with is that the consumer thinks that he's buying an American product yeah, when he's yeah. not. And it's just it's, the industries are so fucking powerful. It's crazy, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so what are you off to today? Are you gonna go and heal someone or or? Oh, today's my not in the not in the clinic office today. I'm going to be um, doing. I do some emails. I do some personal things, and then tomorrow I work ten hours. I have from eight until seven. Is it draining? I mean, do you do you do you know, does it take a lot of energy to? It's you know people don't realize how complex Chinese medicine is. Mm. You know, it's not this simple little thing. But it, so it takes some time. And then when my patients come, I evaluate which herbs they're taking, talk about their diet. One of the things I do with people that I spend more time talking to people, um, explaining to them what's causing, what's happening with them. Mm. And I think I get more compliance that way because they understand a little bit about what I'm doing. And interestingly enough, I've had a couple people who said, oh, I went and saw my doctor. And I said, oh, what did your doctor say? And they say, he said the same thing you said. Mm. So Chinese medicine describes things in a different way. So you get a buy-in from them by explaining them. I think it helps. I mean, like I said, I do spend more time with people the first time because I'm explaining, you know, this is what's happening and this is what's happening and you're get, staying up too late, you're doing this, and explain why those things matter. Mm. Why, if you've had a condition since you were a child, why, if it started at that age and now you're having your 30, you know, it's going to take time to change that. Mm. Um, and also, it just it just helps people, I think, and I get more compliance um, with people taking the herbs and they start to see a difference and they come back and they're starting to feel better all the time. So um, 
actually, I take a little more time with my patients. It is sometimes it is sometimes draining. Like um, on Mondays and Tuesdays, I usually work six to seven hours. Thursdays is ten hours. Mm-hmm. But every person that comes in, I'm so excited to see them. Mm-hmm. That it's yeah, not, because you're seeing progress. Not, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I and I, it's like every you know every hour there's somebody when we're doing repeats they're coming back. I'm just sitting for an hour looking through everything, going to the next person. I take an hour lunch break. I come back, but I really like my patients. You know, each of them are like really wonderful individuals, and mm. so I'm so excited to see them. It's really not draining to me. In fact, sometimes Thursday night I get home and I'm like, I'm so awake because I've been really focused and you know on patients all day. So sometimes I have trouble going to sleep on Thursday night. But, but on the other hand, because it is like I, I guess the you get a c- kind of people that are motivated, you know, because if if they come to you, as we said, it's kind of often the end of the line. Yeah, most people are very motivated. Yeah, to make, so they're to make willing. Changes. Yeah, exactly. It, that must be really nice. Yeah. there are a few people I can see. They're kind of like, well, I'm I'm not sure this is. My wife work. sent me here. <laughs> well, I've had a few of those, but I, sometimes they're just kind of like they're really not sure. You know, I can get the yeah show me, you know, mm. people. But the majority of people there, they're very interested when I explain to them what's happening and what we're going to do, and they get excited about it. And when they come back and they're feeling better, somebody came back, she had horrible neck pain, and she came back the next week, she goes, my neck pain is completely gone. Yeah, She couldn't believe it. You know, it's like, you know, or like one woman came in, she was exhausted, physically very fatigued, and her doctor said, there's nothing wrong with you. Every test is normal. You need to get counseling. Mm. So she's going to counseling, she's going to therapy, and she's not getting any more energy. She's still exhausted. She came to see me, and she was, like, really low energy. So I said, okay, this is, I said, this is physical. And she's breaking down and crying because this has been going on for months, maybe almost a year. I said, no, there is a physical basis for this. You are physically tired. This is true. This is not in your mind. Mm. And this is what's happening. So I gave her herbs, and she came back, that, you know, treated her the next week. She came back and she says, you know, my energy is a little better this week. I said, great. Back next week, I'm feeling a little better energy. Great. You know, she every week she reported feeling more energy and more focus. And then she was, I didn't see her for two weeks. She came back and she said, well, I took my daughter on a camping. You know, they have these little nature weeks for kids. Mm-hmm. And she said, I ran three kilometers in the woods with my daughter. And I said, excuse me, are you the lady that last month, a month ago, could barely walk in my office? You're so tired. And you just ran three kilometers in the woods with your daughter. And she's like, yes. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So, so many people are told. All your blood tests are normal. Mm. There's nothing wrong with you. It must be in your head. Mm. And when I see them, I say, no, it's not in your head. It is in your physical body, and this is what's off, and this is how we'll treat it. Mm. So it's it's a, it's very rewarding. And yeah, I, I never, that. I'm always, when I go to work, I'm always excited about seeing people because yeah. I'm helping people. Uh, I mean, that's a great job. That's a great job. It is. Have. It is. Uh, you know, and, there's, and sometimes there are miracles that happen practically before mm. my eyes, and I just like, yeah, I, I have, I have like, uh, this is what I like about what I'm doing, you know, my, with the mentoring and stuff, is that I actually get tangible results somehow. And, like, there was a guy that wrote me yesterday. He secured a job that I helped him in the process. You know, I helped him with his CV. Yeah. And I helped him preparing for the interviews and stuff like that. And it's a good position, highly paid job, and he was super happy. He came out of a burnout, so he kind of needed a fresh start somehow, and, and we kind of handpicked where do you go and look for jobs and then he got the job and he sent me an email and I, I get goosebumps now when I talk about yeah. it, you know, and it's because you kind of feel like you you're letting off a bird out to fly somehow, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. It's really great when you see those differences. Yeah. Well, like I had a lady who came a few years ago, she had gallstones and she didn't live in Prague so she couldn't come often. Um and they got better. She went and she had a test and the gallstones are smaller. So she avoided surgery. But then she didn't come back. Two years later she comes back 
the gallstones are bigger, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it takes a while to get rid of gallstones, but it can work, you know. Mm. So she came back. She's got yellow-green stools. I mean, this is, like, not a good sign. So she's, she's coming back once a month. She takes her herbs and spin, I think, three months. And she came and she said stools are normal mm. after only three months. No, that's great. That means the gallstones are getting smaller, too. So she'll oh. go and get a checkup in a couple months, you know. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay, Susan, thanks a lot for coming. Well, thank you. Get, go on and, and uh, into your day and, and have a nice one. It's been too. great talking to you. Yeah, nice meeting you too. Okay, bye.